We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you guys are having an awesome Christmas day. We are recording this on December 17th. So wanted to let you guys know we are pre-recording this episode, but wanted to save it for Christmas. Obviously, it's going to be tough for us to record during that time, but we wanted to give you guys something in case you're traveling or just wanted to pop on some Pacers content here. So I'm back with Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, Merry Christmas to you, brother. How are you? Oh, 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 it's Santa Fachi. Hey, happy holidays, everybody. Look. We appreciate all of you, so we're, we're, we're digging deep into this, this this sack of presents right over here, and we have a brand new episode of Setting the Pace for you, because everyone's been nice, no one's been naughty, and uh, we're, we're looking to put something under the tree this year. Yeah, we're about a week away, too, from releasing our brand new intro featuring Chris Tenary and Jay Smooth, so I want you guys to be on the lookout for that, but... Fachi, we decided we're going to do a little game here of Would You Rather Pacers Edition. Um, obviously, Would You Rather is a game that people have played for, I don't know how many years now, but it's it's relatively new. Um, you know, there's a lot of weird different scenarios I've seen out there with Would You Rather questions, but we're going to make this Pacers content related only. So I'll let you start things out first. What's your first Would You Rather for the Pacers? All right. This, this kind of goes back to something that you had in your article um, you know, one of your recent articles uh, following the, I believe it was the Minnesota Timberwolves game. But I'm going to give you a little two-parter. It said, would you rather see Aaron Neesmith replace Buddy Heald in the starting lineup as a starting three? Or would you rather see uh, Aaron Neesmith replace Obi Toppin in the starting lineup? Yeah, so I mean, just kind of going back to my article, I, I made the case for why I would rather see Buddy Heald go to the bench and Aaron, Aaron Neesmith start for him. And like I said, we're recording this a week ahead. So if they do make that change, yeah, this could be a little bit time sensitive. But for now, on the 17th, as we're speaking, I just think that Aaron Neesmith is shooting 42.9, I think it is, a percentage from, from three, where Buddy Hill's around 36%. I understand Buddy's probably taking more threes than Aaron Neesmith, but Aaron Neesmith also plays much better defense. I'm tired of seeing Buddy Hill try to guard these guys. He cannot guard. I would rather see the Pacers start out trying to put Aaron Eastman on a guy like Giannis than seeing Buddy Hill try to front Giannis in the game. Like, what are we doing? I mean, I know you're kind of limited with, with what you have based on how the roster is built, but I think that if you can have size in the front court, you know, the most size you can probably get where you feel comfortable at it, you're going to have Aaron Eastman at the three, 
Obi Toppin at the four and Miles at the five. I think that's probably your best defensive front court you can get right now. Jairus Walker maybe could be in that conversation in a couple of years, but I think Obi Toppin has shown enough defensively in moments that you can not trust him, but you can rely on him to at least be long and athletic and hopefully stay in front of somebody where I think that that could help and, and probably not put as much pressure on him to have to guard those type of guys either, where I think Neesmith can do a better job of kind of getting in their grill. I think it's, it's a great point in terms of that you're not sacrificing height. Alex, I just looked up Neesmith's stats. He's actually shooting 44% from oh. three. So he is just scorching. I mean, from the field overall, he is shooting – it's 53%. So I just feel that this version of Aaron Neesmith that we're getting on both sides of the ball has just been fantastic. And for Obi Toppin, we know he loves to run. He's a, he's a great runner, you know, running the court with Tyrese. So I think that his alley-oop fast break element is something right now that that is, um, you know suits him well. So I, I do think that it makes sense to bring Buddy back off the bench, even though he wasn't thriving necessarily in that role the Pacers still need the help defensively and I feel that sometimes when Neesmith comes in a lot of the damage you don't want to say has already been done but the Pacers aren't uh they're not having great first quarters we'll yeah. put it that way teams are scoring you know over 30 points per game against the Pacers what feels like on the rig um so I, I think that Aaron Neesmith could help the Pacers get off to a better start and still play very well with that starting group for sure, Fox. Let's keep it moving you. here. Yeah, yeah, but let's let's keep it moving here. I'm going to keep Obi Toppin's name in the conversation Ooh. just because you brought up Obi Toppin. My question for you is, Fachi, would you rather trade Obi Toppin before the deadline or see what his market is in the summer? I'd rather see what his market is in the summer because I don't think it's going to be high right now. I think with him being someone that's going to enter restricted free agency, teams have seen more from Obi this year but not enough to be like, we got to get our hands on Obi Toppin. I would still like to believe that given that at the time of recording this, we're 24 games into the season, that for the rest of the year, for Obi, who's been healthy this year, that I hope the best is yet to come. So I would I would like to see, hey, you know what, let's see how things shake out, because I don't think that he's someone who's earned a payday. I think that he we still don't really know what his market is, but I think he could improve from here on out. Yeah, I will say this. When the Pacers brought in Obi Toppin, they gave up nothing for him. So I don't exactly. think that his value around the league is very high. So I don't know what he's going to be getting on the open market. I think I would hold on to him, too, just to kind of see what you can get. And if you feel like over the next 60-plus games he really does fit what you're trying to do, then you just say, okay, well, we'll just bring him back on a pretty team-friendly contract. I know we talked about that a few episodes ago, probably about two weeks at this point now, uh, when we were talking about Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin about a quarter of the way through the season. But yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of to the point where it's like the Pacers went out there and they finally got a power forward, but they really didn't address the the, the issues that we have. And that's trying to find someone that could play defense. They they took the cheap route. They they gave up two second round picks that were lesser than the ones they got for Chris Duarte. They go out there and get an eighth overall pick from the 2020 draft and uh, Obi Toppin. But I mean, he's been, he's been pretty consistently inconsistent this year. Yeah. Yeah, just like hasn't really like proven that he's a long-term starter or a long-term answer. He's he's a stopgap for 
this season. And, you know, I, to me, it's like if the Pacers were going to go out there and get a Pascal Siakam or somebody like that, I would have no problem including him in that trade. I agree. I agree. So, and look, you know. That's where I, I'm at with him. I really, really, really wanted Obi Dapa to become an Indiana Pacer. And I feel good about it. But at this point, I would not be like, you can't include Obi in a deal like that. No, no, no. It's like you, you put him in the deal, you get it done. But I don't. I think that now there is no one that can say that Obi is a bust. I think that he's someone who needed more playing time. I think that he's someone that continues to get better. I just think that he hasn't been as consistent all year. He's been that fifth starter, but from a team that really needs improvement on the defensive side of the ball, that is not what he brings to the table. So I think that, that it really magnifies his uh, the weaknesses in his game. I, I agree, Fachi, and. You know, there's another question that just pops in my head for a Ooh. would you rather, but I'm going to save that one as okay. we get closer because I'm sure we'll do this segment again in January because I'm sure there's going to be more burning questions that we have on a would you rather between a player or two or a situation or two or whatever. And uh, I think I have a good one for, for the future, but I'll hold on to that one. I'm ready for your next one. All right, stashing it. All right, yeah. so here is uh, a name that we just brought up before. I'm going to bring him up again. Would you rather see Buddy kept throughout the season to make a run at the playoffs, even if it happens to result in him walking in free agency and us getting nothing for him. All right. So would I rather trade him or see him stay on the roster? Yes. Even if it means that, you know what? Hey, we, we did not re-sign him. He left. Honestly, like if you don't find a deal out there that makes sense for you, I have no problem with just kind of letting it ride out and letting them walk in free agency because that is cap space. It is. And there are free agents out there that the Pacers could, you know, target and potentially bring in here. They feel pretty confident with Tyrese at the helm and being the number one guy that he's going to recruit players. We've already seen Woj, you know, just during the in-season tournament run, bring that conversation up where they feel confident that Tyrese can lure players into um, Indiana. And I think that if you do go into free, if you do go into the season and make the playoffs and Buddy Hield is a big part of that and helps you with that, it's only going to magnify what the paces are doing more and make it more of an attractive spot for free agents. So for that, I would say I would rather just hold on to Buddy if it means we're going to get into the playoffs. Yeah, because here's the thing. You could say, what if it's a first-round pick? And then it goes, now we're going to have three first-round picks. We can't use three first-round picks. It's like, I guess, at the end, especially if it's for this upcoming draft, then it's like, all right, now we have way too many first-round picks. But there are picks. assets. They are assets. So there's both ways to look at it. But if you're talking about it's like a so-so play, two players and, and a two second round picks, it's like that's not doing it for me. You know, yeah. so it's really got to be a decent offer, like talking about like a future first round pick. To me, that becomes appealing. But also to get this Pacers team in the playoffs, it would mean a lot. And to your point, you are still saving – you're shedding about $19 million in cap space. So you can't go wrong, but I just want – you wish you had more of a, a known direction of what where this Pacers team is at. And I think by the deadline, we have the chance to kind of be like, like oh, man, it, they could be a playoff team, but they could also fall out. The worst thing that could happen would be keeping Buddy – Maybe you get bounced in the play-in, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, we probably could have got ahead of this. But for now, I think it makes sense to keep them and, and, and make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I So we're in agreement on that one as well. Uh, now, this question, I never thought I would have to ask this season, oh. but 
because of the way things have kind of shake, uh, you know, uh, shaked out, I guess, shaken out. I don't know how the, what the right word is there. Good grief. I can't talk, but, uh, would you rather keep Isaiah Jackson long-term or Jalen Smith? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting question. And it's also a prisoner of the moment type question. It is. Isaiah Jackson is playing some of his best basketball he's ever played right now. And Jalen Smith is on the sideline, almost, you know, you know, not seen, a little bit forgotten. I I gotta say though, I I was falling in love with what I saw from Jalen Smith earlier this year. Don't even get me started on the three ball. I mean, I, it was electrifying. Edge of I haven't seen material. a tweet in a while. I I, I, I I just been sitting there. I just go, no, not today, not today. But I wait for the day that he returns. I believe in Jalen Smith. Isaiah Jackson at this moment is playing really good basketball. But I do think that long term, I really like what Jalen Smith brings to the table. And that's that's how I lean. Yeah, it's a tough one because I do think Isaiah has made some drastic improvements this year. Yes. He's gotten better about staying out of foul trouble. He still has his moments where he makes dumb fouls. But like we didn't talk about it in the Minnesota game. But one of the cool things that he did, and I know Quinn Buckner brought it up, like he initially went to block a shot with like his right hand or left hand, whatever it was, and he missed it. But on his way down, on the initial jump, he, he swats it with the other hand, and they called it a goaltend. But I thought, okay, it's hard to find athletes like that that really do what you want them to do. And he you know, he is a lob threat. He always talks about you know, how Obi Toppin's got more bounce than he does, but I think he's underselling himself a little bit when he says that because he's got some bounce. I, I do think, though, that if you're looking at more of a more polished game, Jalen Smith, to me, is a more skilled rebounder. And yes. I would just say probably a more skilled player overall. I don't think Isaiah Jackson's going to make passes like a Jalen Smith can make or step out and, and knock a three down. But I, I do think Isaiah Jackson knows what he's good at. That's blocking shots and dunking the basketball. So it is nice to know that he has kind of a an idea of who he is and he's not trying to force himself to be somebody that he's not. But I think Jalen Smith is probably just a little more versatile and what you're looking for in a big. But I think Isaiah Jackson, somebody I would want to keep around as maybe my third string center if he'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think for Isaiah Jackson, he might be the guy whose tone I've changed on most this year. Same. Like I I was I was definitely very low on Isaiah Jackson coming off of summer league. I wasn't sold in preseason. And 
now all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you know what? I'm I'm happy with what I'm seeing. But also to your point, he does definitely know who he is. And at this point, he's only attempted one three so far. He knows yeah. he's not a three-point shooter. And I don't think he's going to try and be a three-point shooter. And I think that's the best thing for his game is to just mm-hmm. be like, you know what? D- desert it. That's not you. So I-, I do like that because you never want a player taking shots that's going to hurt the team. He is definitely not doing that. So I like the strides that both players have taken so far. Um, Eileen Jalen Smith, but that's not to discredit Isaiah Jackson in any situation. Let, let me add another question onto this. Oh. It's not a would you rather, but just kind of a talking point on here. If a team called and said, we got to have Jalen Smith in the trade. We want Jalen Smith in this trade moving, you know, that we're going to do with you guys. Would you feel comfortable making that move and allowing Isaiah Jackson to be the full-time backup? Obviously, you just assume whoever you're trading for is a good player. You know, we'll just say that. It's a good player you're getting back. He's a salary filler type of player to make a bigger trade, something like that. Because he's only making like I, what five million, six million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, I know he's a throw and not the featured piece. I, I, you know, I get all that. Say you're going after like an OG, you got to put him in there. You know, something like that. Um, I feel more confident today when we are recording than I did twelve seventeen ago. Two, you know, two months ago, I would have been like, Isaiah's not ready. He's going to pick up four fouls in in eight minutes, and that's going to be the end of it. Now I'd be like, all right, you know what? We're definitely not strong at center, but I think that he could hold it down for a bit, especially now that we've lost Tice. You know, at that point, we would be very thin at center, but I'd feel a little bit better at this point than I did a month or two ago. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel like I wouldn't think too much about it. I would say, okay, they're backup bigs. Yeah. They're, you know, I, I like Gillespie a lot, but he's a backup big, right? He's and not holding many, up any trade like this yes. at that point, how, you know. How many bigs can you find on the open market that could come in and just give you like solid 10, 12 minutes? I mean, probably quite a few, you know, and you yeah. could probably draft one as well. I mean, look at what Goga's been able to do with Orlando. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just yeah. never know. You just give a guy some time and, and just figure things out. But uh, let's go to our last one here, Fachi, for Would You Rather. What you got? My last one, he was a man that's been in rumors. You know, Jake mm. Fisher loves to bring his name up. It's TJ McConnell. All I right. said, would you would you rather trade McConnell for perhaps two second round picks and save the near five million dollars guaranteed for next year while also opening up some playing time for others, or ride this season out knowing that he is the emergency point guard if you ever need him and he's always gonna be ready? If I'm getting back as two second round picks, I'm riding it out with TJ McConnell. You just gotta have that real. You gotta have that uh, availability uh, of having a guy that's been there before, done that. I mean, we really did see what he was able to bring to the table against Philadelphia in Philadelphia when Andrew Nimhart really struggled early on this year. Just having that veteran presence in the locker room. I mean, I'm not just shipping him out to Boston for no reason. I'm just throwing a a, a reference yeah. out there. For your song that you like, brother, Dropkick Murphy. I, I, I do like that Shipping song. That was Boston, a, a, right? He did tie that together nicely. But I was know. trying to do there for you, my man. I know it's one of your go-tos, but but anyway, it's, my it's whole point. Up for the gym. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah. you know, TJ McConnell gets his Pacers team hyped up, and he gets he these does. fans hyped up. And I'm not just getting rid of him to get rid of him now. If you can find yourself uh, a player that's maybe someone you're interested in in a, in a trade, sure, you consider it. But at, at this point, Tyrese. 
has had some injuries this year and last year. Nimhart has just really felt like he's had a really unlucky year with injuries. Yes. I just trust having a guy that has been there before, even if there are going to be limitations to what he can do, you know, it only like, it only helps you to have him. It doesn't hurt to have him. So I would say write it out. I'm with you on that. Two second round picks, you know, to me, it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't do anything, especially when we already have an additional first round pick for this year. So I think you're better off at that point, moving McConnell in the off season in some other just salary saving type of deal, because by then you would like to feel that Nemhard is fully ready to take that next step forward. Maybe the Pacers address you know, the point guard position in the offseason, anything like that. But to get through this year, you just feel like TJ McConnell is going to end up being a vital piece of pushing this Pacers team forward, even if it's just through practice or on the bench or helping guys see some other stuff. It's it's the, the two-minute spans that we talk about where he comes in and ignites the team by getting a steal or taking a charge or, or drawing a foul or anything of the sort. So for right now, that's more important than two second-round picks. Saving the $5 million, you could still do that in the offseason. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, the, the great point about him is, like, that taking the charge stuff. Like, him and Neesmith are, like, the only two guys I feel like that'll just yeah. lay it all on the line, right? There's nobody else that I feel like is, like, just fully committed to laying it all on the line. And, I mean, you need guys that don't care, that are kind of reckless a little bit. Uh, on the roster and can kind of muck the game up a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go to my last, would you rather hear Fachi as we close out this Christmas day episode for all of our great listeners over here at setting the pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. I I went ahead and did five just in case we had any overlapping, but we didn't so far. So that's good. Now, this is a question that I've actually seen people debate on Twitter. So I think it's a good, Mm. would you rather we'll close out with this one. Would you rather build with this young core or make a move at the trade deadline. Mm. It's so hard because you always want to see your team do something. It's like, it's almost like. Aside from that though, I mean, not just for the sake of like, oh, I want to see a trade, but just like legitimately looking at it. What do you really feel deep inside? Like you think this is the time? I Deep inside, I do not think this is the time. I am not on the side of swing for the fences with Pascal Siakam right now. I'm not. It's, I know there are. there's probably half the fan base that is because they want to see us do something. They want the splash that we've been waiting and heard about for the last couple of years. But I'm on the side of, like, we're building something solid here. We're not there yet. Don't empty the treasure chest of assets and blow your, you know, blow it in, in just like one year or anything like that. Like I have used this before with Donovan Mitchell. Cleveland was not ready to compete for a championship when they traded everything for Donovan Mitchell. Look at them now. They have injuries and everything. Uh, Mitchell could leave. It's going to be like they got maybe two good years out of him and then it's over. For yeah. us, we could still be patient, build on this experience, and then this offseason strike when the iron's hot. So that's where I'm at. Build it for just a little bit more this offseason. Make the move, not at the deadline. It's a tough question. I mean, I wrestle with it all the time, and I listen to both sides, and I'm like, man, you guys are convincing me one way or the yep. other. I, I'm still, I think, leaning more towards making a move, and I and here's okay. why. I, I think that, number one, I don't believe Rick Carlisle is 
as attached to playing younger players as we would hope. I oh, think I'm, that, I'm on board with you now. I, I could see that. Last yeah. year, it looked a little different. This year, eh. And, and he said that, and I think that they're trying to kind of just figure things out with Tyrese, but I want to see what Tyrese looks like in the playoffs. And if it's, I'm not getting there, I'm a little bit worried about that. I understand the Pascal stuff. Like, that's just one example of, like, who could become available, that kind of thing. And I don't think you have to trade all the chips in to get a Pascal Siakam, but you're going to trade something to get him. And I know that's a little bit nerve-wracking there, but if you could trade for him, Get him this year. Give yourselves a better chance in the playoffs to be super competitive. See what that looks like because that, to me, is going to show you what this team's really made of if they can just actually get meaningful games in a postseason type of a situation. Allow Rick Carlisle to make adjustments. See how the team responds to that adversity. I mean, we kind of saw it in a one-game sample size like for the in-season tournament, like a a one-off versus Boston or a one-off versus Milwaukee, but like, how do they handle that in a seven-game series? I want to see how resilient this team is and who's a dog and who's not and who's someone I can actually build around because right now we have yet to see it. Like, does Ben Matherin take his game to another level in the playoffs? I thought he actually played pretty well in that game against the Celtics here at home. Like, he had some big shots. Um, he was really, you know, embracing the crowd. And then I think he was pretty good in the in the championship game against the Lakers. 20 points. He was our leading that, scorer. He that's amazing. He's a dog. I, I think mm-hmm. that he, like, lives for those type of moments. And I want I to see him – in an environment like that. And it's just going to be good for the Pacers, I think, to make a playoff push. So, yeah, they can build with this young core, but they've got a lot of expiring contracts. They've got a lot of picks. I think that they can still strike in the summer by making a move now. So I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I think that it's got to be the right deal. If you're trading multiple picks plus a Jairus Walker plus this to get a Pascal Siakam for, like I said, four months, that's a little bit worrisome. But I think that based on Jake Fisher's article that we talked about a week ago, the Pacers don't want to do that anyway. So they're going to have to really covet the person they want. And if that's the case, you know, I, I would say trust the front office to make the right move at the right time. But I would I would still lean more towards get an established player to kind of help this team grow and ascend because I don't want to see them just kind of plateauing after having such a good run to the in-season tournament championship. In my opinion, those two first-round picks that we have this year are meant to be traded. Oh, I sure. cannot see the Pacers, A, bringing in two first-round picks. There's no room for them. I don't know where they would play. I don't know like what you would do. It, it, those picks have to be traded. But I also just feel like at this point, the Pacers, they've developed young talent in the past. They have. But now you're looking at guys like Matherin and Emhard, you know, not take the leaps forward that you hope for. You're trying to still get Jarris Walker playing time. Ben Shepard always felt like, hey, it might not be this year. You just can't bring in another rookie or another more young players. You got to consolidate and go for someone who is more established. And I think when the Pacers do look at a guy like OG, they look and they say, we could give two first round picks. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the salary to match and feel good about re-signing him. And I think the fan base could live with that and say, you know what? That was a perfect use of our assets. I don't think this team is to, is at that point of saying, we got to go all in right now and, and, sh- and make that trade that shakes everything up. I don't think they were there. But if you want to swing for the fences with OG, I feel comfortable being able to do it now. So you do have his bird rights instead of trying to compete against everybody else. But for Siakam, I, I, I can't get myself there. I can't. If the Pacers pull off the trade, I'm not going to root against it and say we made a big mistake. I'm going to be excited. 
But for right now, I can't get myself to the point of saying, do it, empty, empty the treasure chest. I think you would probably feel different if you saw Siakam fit in perfectly with this team because I do think that his style of play would fit in perfect with what the style of the Pacers want to play. And if you saw him really contribute in the playoffs, that's where I think you would feel it more and say, okay, I can see why people were so invested in him. And I'm always looking down the line, and I'm not looking to trade him again. But let's just say, for example, he does want to go somewhere else in the offseason. Doesn't feel like it's comfortable, like the right spot here in Indiana. You have the bird rights for Pascal. You can work a sign and trade out and figure something out there, too, which could benefit the Pacers. So I'm all like always looking at like what other options there could be. But like you said, it depends on what they're going to trade. You know, I would be more comfortable trading the two picks this year another future first and something else than maybe giving up on a lot of good young players. And maybe you throw in some veteran salaries and they're like a buddy, like a McConnell, like a Jalen or even an Obi at that point to make the salary match and just figure it out and, you know, kind of consolidate, like they said um, in that article with Jake Fisher, but I don't know. It's just, it's tough. It's really hard to think about, but you know, if I, if I'm looking at all the guys on the roster, it's a, uh, our young players, I think, are a little bit of ways away from helping us compete anytime soon. And that's where you have to find that balance of what does Tyrese want? What does the organization really value? And I think playoff games to get the fan base excited might be the route to go, uh, even if you are still developing the guys in, in the process. I completely agree. And you also want to draw attendance. And I, I, I did see this. The Pacers are last in attendance this year. And no it is it's not something that, that I know. And it's not something that, you know, we, we brought up before and it's not a surprise to many, but like at some point, if you do pull off a big deal, you're going to get more butts and seats than being like, look who we drafted with the 12th to 16th pick, you know, yeah. like that's just not going to move the needle, sell tickets, anything like that. So I think the Pacers have been trying to pull off that big deal. I think they'll continue to try and that is one thing that I always respect about the front office is they're always placing calls. You hear them as that guy, that, that team that's always, ha- you know, checking to see who is available and who's not. And I trust if they didn't pull off a deal, it's because it costs too much. Yeah. And the Pacers have not been that team that has just been like, well, you know what? We traded five picks because that that's what it cost. Mm-hmm. So they, they've, they've waited, they've been patient, but I do think that patience is going to run out soon. Yeah, eventually it is. I mean, yeah, they got Tyrese Halliburton in that trade with Sabonis and patience worked out there for Turbonis. And we talked about, oh, they got to break it up for years. I mean, you go back a couple years before that and they were looking at maybe trading Miles Turner to Boston, you know, for Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. How how drastically, if they make that trade now in, in hindsight, they Old don't get Tyrese different. Halliburton. No, nope. So it's uh, sometimes it's better to be patient than to be greedy and, and kind of make a move just to make a move. But at the same time, you do have your franchise player. Now, at that point, you did not. At this point, you do. You've got your franchise coach that's going to be here probably for at least the next five years, I would assume, and Rick Carlisle, uh, and, and kind of match up. I'm sure his contract, which I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just kind of guessing, it wouldn't surprise me if his contract did not match up with Tyrese's extension and then kind of figure things out after that because he had a four-year deal. They, they tacked on an extension to that. So I could see, okay, maybe at the end of Tyrese's extension, Rick will decide if he wants to continue coaching. But – that gives you five years right there for a window to try to make a push for something. And, um, you know, a lot can change in five years. We've seen things change a lot in the NBA uh, from year to year. In five years, things would be drastically different. But 
Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I would just say, hey, I hope these holidays are everything that you guys wished for and more. You never know what you're going to unwrap. And uh, one of these days, I hope we're uh, you know, unwrapping a championship. I'm looking forward to that. If they could stick that under the tree, hey, I'd say that's the best Christmas yet. So, everybody, you know, on, on behalf of Alex and I, you know, we uh, we really appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in with us, you know, year-round. We're always trying to give you the best content possible, and I think that we have the best listeners that you could possibly imagine. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And, Fachi, tell those wonderful people where they can find us at on social media if they're not already doing it for whatever reason. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. And Fachi, if you're hoping everybody has a Merry Christmas, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Feliz Navidad, muchachos. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y feliz.